5: time already i'm missing it already and uh this um uh, this sunday this sunday is is uh is when we set the clocks back so we're gonna lose an hour of sleep or something to that effect i don't know but anyway the days are a lot shorter and a lot cooler and uh i guess i guess we just have to deal with it we've had a I think we have had a great summer. I really do, but it was just too short. Summer's always short. <laughs> it's just too short. Winter seems like forever. you know <laughs> it does when it's freezing outside. It seems like forever. Uh, anyway, its uh it's dark in the city of Chicago, but wherever you are in the world, I hope that everything is is uh, going going well for you, going pretty well for you. And it's going pretty well for me, too. You know, I mean, I, and I hope you guys get out, got out there and vote, vote it, you know, because they're still sending material and stuff to my home saying, get out and vote. But I voted already. We voted early. Um, we voted early and uh, we got it done. Hopefully you're going to vote early, you know, because we need to get the country back. Trump is, all over, is already talking about ending uh, birth rights. And I'm hearing that he can't do that because it's constitutional. Trump doesn't give a damn about the law. He doesn't care about the Constitution. He doesn't give – the thing about it, he – at his inauguration, he took an oath to the Constitution. Now he's just pissing on it. He doesn't care anything about it. He did anything – he did anything he could just to get into office. Once he got into office – He has changed his mind on everything that he promised he wouldn't do. He's going to do it. (laughs) Cutting Social Security. He said he wouldn't touch it. He's going to do it. Uh, And the Republicans are going to do it with him, you know. And uh, uh, so, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about that. My guest is Tony Klinger. Um, And as as always, we have commentary on the show. We try to have fun on the show, too. We don't want to make it all boring and all. Uh, Evil and all (laughs) You know because of the evil in the world We want to try and put some fun Into it you know until uh, After the midterms Uh, And uh, a lot of people Are talking about uh, Trump says he's going to end birthright And and even Paul Ryan The sinister Paul Ryan is saying He can't do that And I've said uh, several times on the show That Trump talks out of his rear end And he does and I just think this, like so many other things that he says that are ridiculous, that are, he can't do because it, it's, it's in the Constitution that he can't do these things. He wants to upend the Constitution. Um, he can't do these things. A lot, of times, a lot of times when Donald Trump says these ignorant ass things, he's basically talking out of, the, out of his rear end, as I've just got through saying. And it's a distraction from something else. He says things. He, he he finds out things that what things are going to move people, and he says it just so he can distract you. So, he's going to distract you from something that's about to come out into the come out into the press, or is d- distracting you of something that has already come out, and you're focusing on that. So he's going to try and get you to focus on something else. So he comes out with these outrageous and outlandish things that he's going to do to America. Okay, ending the birthright. I mean, just think about that. I mean, it means that, you know, if if an immigrant comes to America and they have a baby, the baby will be an illegal alien, even though it was born in the United States. And Trump said that uh, other countries, we're the only country in the world that has birthright. He's a lie. There's many countries in the world that has birthrights. Either he's dumb and ignorant because he didn't know that or or he's just flat out lying. Either one could be, fit Trump. Either one of those could could fit Trump like a glove, you know. So anyway, he says he's going to end birthright. And then what does that mean, actually? Does it mean that the the, the people who are from other countries who have come to, uh, come to America to have babies. Are there babies who are, you know, I mean, people, you know, those kids, some of those people are adults now. Will they get their rights taken away and deported? And they, they were born here, and they lived here, they work here, but yet they were what the Republicans called an anchor baby. You know, that is true in some sense. A lot of people do come here from Mexico and other countries uh, and have babies because they feel that the baby, having a baby in the U.S., is going to keep them from being deported, which is not true. And then some people come here and have a baby so they can figure that if their baby's born in the United States, their baby's going to get a good education, a good job, and everything else, going to grow up to be, uh, you know, a great, a great, a great American, if I can say it. So all those folks here that were born here by parents from another country will have their birthright stripped stripped by Donald Trump. So if you're an American working as a doctor and you, and you were brought over here by your parents and you were born in America, Trump is going to strip you of your birthright and send you back to your country. This is what he wants to do. He can't do it. Donald Trump says a lot of things that he cannot do. The Constitution forbids him to do that. And a lot of the courts, uh, a lot of people are suing him for this or that. And he, he can't do that. But he says it anyway. He say it anyway. And I do think he says a lot of this stuff just to distract people and to scare people like taking away Social Security. They are going to do that. So Social Security, they are going to take Social Security and every entitlement program out there because they want to, not because of the deficit. That's just an excuse. They're taking Social Security, Medicare, healthcare, all these things away, pre-existing conditions. So if you've been watching television and all of these Republicans uh, who are running for office saying that they're going to save pre-existing conditions, they're going to better it, they're going to make it better, They're lying, because a lot of these politicians who are saying that they're going to better pre-existing conditions and to save it, they're just saying it to get your vote. They couldn't give two shits about pre-existing conditions or your health in general. Um, Trump wants to end – Trump and the Republicans want to end up all of that. They want to end it all. So that's why – It's it's, uh, if you haven't voted yet, get out there and vote because you'll be saving yourself along with the the country. And that's no joke. That's no lie. You'll be saving yourself along with the country. Because Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan and Donald Trump, the evils, (laughs) the evil clan in the White House and in Congress, they are going to strip this country uh, uh, naked. You know, if they uh, control. Remain control of the House and the Senate, which I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to lose at least uh, the House or maybe even the Senate. It depends on the blue wave. And, folks, there are people out there trying to suppress your vote. I mean, in Georgia, Pittsburgh, um, Pennsylvania, you name it, Texas, they're out there to steal your vote. And I'm hoping some of these polling places are catching this stuff and uh, suing whoever's doing it, stopping them from whoever doing. It. But a lot of times, you sue these Republicans; they're still gonna they're still gonna break the law. They they're not doing what the uh, federal judges and the law tells them to do. Well, oh, they can sue me, but I'm gonna still cheat. And this is the way they feel because they think that they are above the law. Some of these Republicans think they're above the law. They're not above the law. But they're just following their Nazi leader, Donald Trump. Remember, a couple of days ago, a few weeks ago, Donald Trump declared himself to be a nationalist on national television. He And when you think of a nationalist, you think of white supremacy, you think of racism, you think of the KKK, and Donald Trump. Declared himself to be that. And he can't deny it. His liars. Kellyanne Conway and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. They can't deny that this man said that. If they do try to deny it. Well he was joking. He didn't mean it. Um, just like he uh, was joking about body slamming. Uh, a reporter. And we all know how he hates and despises the media. He wasn't joking. This man was for real. This man was for real. This man um, instigates hate and violence all over the place to his supporters, and his deranged supporters go out and do something despicable, like the synagogue, murdering all those people in the synagogue in Pittsburgh. And now he wants to, and a lot of people, I'm hearing that he's visiting there, and a lot of folks don't want him there. They told him not to go there. They didn't want him there. But yet he's going to go anyway, you know. So right then and there, he's just saying to hell with the people. I'm going to go there anyway, you know. They didn't want him there, but now, uh, you know. But now that he's there, uh, protesting is all over the place to try to get him out of there. They didn't want him there because they know that he is somewhat responsible for it. If not directly responsible, possibly indirectly. All right, uh, the George Walter is on the air. Folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, for, it feels great to be on the to be on the air. It really does. All right, click to, click like to follow this show. This amazing show. Hate lies have no homes here. No matter what level you are at in life, the next level is always waiting. Okay, the, this is the George Walter Jr. Show, and we're talking about Donald Trump wanting to strip away birthright. Uh, from people coming to the country and people who are already in America, this man is insane. <laughs> he, he, he's insane. He comes up with some. Uh, you know, I I just think Donald Trump wakes up every every morning, figure out what the hell can he scare America with this time. He's probably have some aide or someone by his side, telling him to say this say that, you can do this, you can do that. You know, I think he just wakes up every morning and says, what the hell can I uh, scare the people of America with this time? Oh, yeah, I'm going to take away and end all birthrights, which he cannot do. He cannot do. Donald Trump cannot just say something and expect it to happen. This is what a dictator does. He cannot, well, Donald Trump in this country is not a, officially a dictator. He he wants to be one. Donald Trump cannot just say shit and expect us, t- of the American people, to just abide by it. Because he's a liar. He, he's a traitor. Um, he's a buffoon. He's a joke. I mean, how can you follow a joke uh, like Donald Trump? He is a joke. And uh, uh, he just, he likes to distract and as I've said before, Donald Trump is drunk on power. The man loves power. That's why he, That's one of the reasons he hasn't resigned. He loves power. He loves being on top of the world. And if you think about it, if you go through his life, if you do a lot of research, Donald Trump is a big fat failure. Six bankruptcies. You know, Um Lawsuits, a hundred lawsuits or more, over five thousand lies. Donald Trump is a big fat failure. Everything he touches goes to rot. Now he has his hands on the United States, and, and we're going to rot because of it. M- remember, Donald Trump's university a fraud, a totally fraud. All right, we will be right back. We're gonna do this, and we will, sh- we will be.
6: My remarks. It would have taken about two minutes, but,
7: but
6: yeah, that would have been a little boring. A
7: little boring.
8: Now, reading off the first paragraph, I said, this is boring. Come on. We have to, we have to say, tell it like it is. That we have to get
6: Republicans in office. That was President Trump literally throwing out the script on electing Republicans in 2018. Since he made those remarks in West
9: Virginia, he has tweeted attacks on... In an astonishingly blatant abuse of power, the president of the United States attempted to use the power of his office and the power of the federal government to financially injure a company owned by a man who published journalism the president doesn't like. The Washington Post reporting today that Trump has personally been pushing the Postmaster General to raise shipping rates on Amazon, a company owned by Jeff Bezos, who also happens to publish the Washington Post. And for months, as you probably noticed, the president has repeatedly, insistently linked Amazon to the Washington Post, calling the quote fake Washington Post a lobbyist for Amazon, saying the paper functions as a tax shelter for Bezos, while also falsely claiming that Amazon rips off the post office.
6: The post office is losing billions of dollars, and the taxpayers are paying for that money because it delivers packages for Amazon at a very below cost.
9: We now know that was not idle chatter. The president has reportedly been working hard behind closed doors to punish Jeff Bezos financially, pushing the post office to double Amazon's shipping charges, according to The Washington Post. The Postmaster General and Trump have met at the White House about the matter several times already, beginning in 2017, most recently four months ago. The meetings have, interestingly, never appeared on Trump's public schedule. So far, the Postmaster General has resisted by explaining in multiple conversations occurring this year and last that these arrangements are bound by contracts and must be reviewed by a regulatory commission. Joining me now, Maya Wiley, former assistant U.S. attorney. Um, You also worked uh, as sort of the the counsel to Mayor Bill de Blasio, right? So I want to just ask you this. So let's say you're you're in that position. You're advising a mayor, this mayor, who fights with the New York press all the time. And he comes in and he says, I'm going to go – Threatened to revoke the zoning, New York Times. No, seriously, he says, I'm just so fed up. It would more likely be the New York Post. Yeah, New York. (laughs) You're right. The New York Post. Perfect. He said, we're gonna we're gonna screw them on the zoning. I want to call the zoning commissioner in here and I want to go after him and change it for the New York Post. What would you say to him? Well,
10: before after I started spluttering and fell down on the floor. I mean, because it's so outrageous. So it's so outrageous. I can't imagine anyone ever
9: other, than, actually, him doing it. other right. than
10: Donald Trump ever actually raising this even in, as a question of whether he could do it in the first place. I mean, usually it doesn't even come up as a question, right? right? Do I have the power to actually go after someone I don't like just because I don't like them or because what they're saying about me as a public official?
9: Why is that? Why does that it, not even come to people's minds?
10: Uh, well, first of all, there's this thing called the U.S. Constitution. It has this amendment in it, was the First Amendment, that protects free speech. Uh, So, number one, it is a constitutional protection. I mean, that's—and if you're an elected official, you expect to have the media— examine you, critique you, say maybe things about you you don't like. In fact, it happens every day to every politician across the country, no At matter what party every you're
9: every level of government At everywhere. every
10: level of government. And the other thing I find so outrageous about this is not only, first of all, if he wanted to do something that was legitimate, Absolutely. he could go to Congress.
4: Absolutely. Because
10: the U.S. Postal Service does not operate fully as an independent entity, right? It's, it's a quasi-governmental institution, but it's really governed by Congress. And in fact, one of the reasons it has the financial problems it has right now is because Congress required it to, in 2006, to pay 75 years in advance on all retirement pension. health, right? Right. imagine if someone came to you and said, you have to take out of your paycheck 75 years worth of retiree health benefits up front, you would actually be homeless. Right. So that's essentially what we did to the Postal Service. He, he could go to Congress and say, I think the Postal Service is giving Amazon a pass they should actually look at what they're charging for packages for third parties. That's not what he did.
9: That's a great point because it's, in some ways, this has been happening in front of us. I mean, he berates Amazon, he calls them the Amazon Washington Post, and then he talks about the sweetheart deal, which is just not true, actually, factually, in terms of the cost. But there's something about the secret meetings of lobbying the Postmaster General that looks like he's trying to get away with something.
10: Right, maybe it looks like when you're talking to the former FBI director about certain investigations
9: that's right and 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 this is i mean i i, I don't it's a pattern a behavior it is a pattern of behavior it, I, and it, i don't want to sound hyperbolic but to me it's like I, I don't know what's impeachable what's not but as abuses of power go this is really up there like trying to to, to use your power to shut to, to screw jeff bezos to punish him for what the free press writes about you is that's yeah. real serious
10: and there is a difference here he has a history and a pattern of using his tweets to attack his enemies, and including other corporations that he disagrees with or doesn't like, right. or supporting corporations that he does, this is very different because it was a secret meeting, because he could have gone to Congress if it was a real, legitimate policy matter. And he could, uh, you know, there is this thing, if the Jeff Bezos should think about, called a civil action. Well uh under Bivens, which is a Supreme Court case that says you can sue a public official for violating your constitutional rights.
9: I think that would be very interesting if they sued and particularly given what we just learned today. Maya Wiley, thank you for being here. Thank you. Hey there, I'm Chris Hayes from M S N B C. Thanks for watching MSNBC on YouTube. If you want to keep up to date with the videos we're putting out, you can click subscribe just below me, or click over on this list to see lots of other great videos.
2: And there are new ethics questions for President Trump. After disclosing on financial forms, he reimbursed Michael Cohen for the Stormy Daniels payment. The disclosure came in the very last footnote on page 45 of the 92-page report. It claims, quote, in the interest of transparency, while not required to be disclosed as reportable liabilities, in 2016, expenses were incurred by one of Trump's attorneys, Michael Cohen. The report claims that Cohen sought reimbursement of those expenses and that Trump, quote, fully reimbursed Cohen in 2017. However, the government ethics chief disputes that Cohen's payment was an expense and therefore not required to be reported. In a letter to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, the acting ethics director writes that based on information from the president's disclosure, quote, the payment made by Mr. Cohen is required to be reported as a liability. So that means the ethics chief believes Trump should have disclosed the payment on last year's financial form, which he did not. The acting ethics director ends his letter by telling the deputy AG that he's providing him with the president's financial reports from last year and this year, quote, because you may find the disclosure relevant to any inquiry you may be pursuing regarding the president's prior Mm -hmm. report signed last Mm -hmm. year. So, Frank, uh, the president of the United States declared in his financial
6: form that he paid repaid Michael Cohen somewhere in between $100,000 and $250,000. So this morning, how many points of peril does this put the president in? So the, I, I come up with three scenarios. Two of them are awful for the president. The first one lacks credulity, but let's talk about it. That is that the president knew nothing about the payments. He's simply a good guy trying to repay his lawyer Cohen, who tells him after the fact, I need, I, need recomp- I need compensation. We've already gone beyond that because Giuliani has publicly said that the president knows that Michael takes care of such things. So let's go to scenario number two. Scenario number two is the president knew that this was being done. He knew fictitious corporations might have been set up. He knew that a bank loan must have been set up fictitiously, and there may be money laundering and or foreign governments involved. That makes him a co-conspirator with Cohen for those underlying violations. The third scenario is that he found out later that things were done were illegal and he paid Michael back, that makes him an accessory after the fact. He's in trouble.
0: Yeah, and there's, I mean, just to be very clear, we're really, I can't imagine anybody at this table is interested in the president's personal relationship uh, with a porn star or anybody else. But at this point, there is definitely a clear line. That that is drawn between the president and stop me if I'm wrong and Michael Cohen and money to a porn star who claims that there was an affair. The president has yet to admit to the affair, but there is a line of money that goes to this woman right before the election, and it appears to be to silence her for an affair. Am I correct?
6: And and the question, yes, you're correct. And the question will become how much did the president know about the methodology of this payment Mm -hmm. and whether there were illegalities underlying that payment. That's what none of us know, including the president, because the president doesn't use email, So he doesn't know what the FBI seized in Michael Cohen's offices. How did Cohen document every conversation with the president? The FBI has that.
0: So the FBI has that, but even more, Jeremy Bash, national security issues would be that, first of all, are there other women? Second of all, can this president be bribed or blackmailed? And the timing of these payments right before... This is... This is clearly an issue that the American people, unfortunately, it matters to them. It's not a, a personal you know, story of some cheap, disgusting affair the president might have had. Unfortunately, we have to talk about this because the president might be a danger if there are multiple situations like this and he can be pressured to perhaps give information away or be used by the Russians because a woman can shake him down for $130,000 or more.
8: That's right, Mika. The reason these financial disclosure forms in our government are so vital, so important, not just for transparency, we want to understand to whom a president of the United States is indebted, because obviously that person has leverage, uh, financial but also potentially political leverage over a president, over our elected officials. And so if these forms are are inaccurate, you know, sometimes there's a clerical error and that's generally forgiven, but if it's knowing concealment. Uh, willful uh, efforts to conceal or hide payments, places where the president is indebted, that is a federal crime. And if we uphold the standard that the president is no more above the law than anybody else, anybody else in our government, anybody else in our society, then I agree with Frank. The president has some explaining to do.
6: Thanks for checking out MSNBC on YouTube and make sure you Thank subscribe.
8: You.
5: See- <laughs> Thank you. All right, killing public education. Turning out to a special
8: report on Donald Trump's education secretary, Betsy DeVos, who is rolling back years of policy in ways that could affect millions of students, maybe students in your own household. In the past few months, she scuttled hundreds of civil rights probes that were underway from the Obama administration and cut off programs that were designed to enhance diversity across American schools. She also dismantled protections for students at for-profit schools.
5: And DeVos came in as one of Trump's most controversial... Ca- <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead.
11: Hello, this is Tony Klinger. Hello. How are you?
5: Hi. Hi, Tony Klinger. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Klinger on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And you are a filmmaker.
11: I am a filmmaker indeed and a writer uh, and a troublemaker and a playwright and all kinds of stuff that, to do with pens.
5: Oh, all of the above. <laughs>
11: Yeah.
5: Wow. Are you, uh, I didn't hear you say that you were an author and all of that. Yeah, you are a writer, right? Yeah.
11: Yeah. I I guess I'm the nearest thing to what they used to call in the old days a shaman. I'm a storyteller. I tell stories. So am I. Use every means I can to do so.
5: Okay. All right. Uh, So uh, let's talk about filmmaking. What have you done so far in that area?
11: Well, I have a film that premieres in England on Saturday called The Man Who Got Don't. Carter uh, that's a film about my father who was a pretty famous film producer himself uh, he mm. made many films with people like Roger Moore and Michael Caine and Lee Marvin and Donald okay. Polanski and others and yeah. uh, this is a story it's my love letter to him because I'm now the age mm. he was when he passed away so I just felt this was the appropriate time for me to make that story so I've done it and it premieres as I said on Saturday
5: So you, you're out promoting it?
11: Well, I'm hoping to promote it, yeah. I'm, I'm doing my best. I kind of like talking about other things, too, because otherwise you get a bit stale, so I'm yeah. also talking about my new books, and I have a play that goes into yeah. workshopping uh, yeah. at the end of the month, and so I'm a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. You
5: sure are. I mean, you you sound like a busy guy and a very talented guy. I mean, you got things going all around you uh yeah
11: film
5: maker that's I mean that's, that's so interesting in itself being a film maker because a lot of people are hoping to see their books made into movies
11: <laughs> well i do it the other and way around. i i use i use my script, film scripts as um like a skeleton for my books i like i like yeah. to do it that way around because it it makes it easier for me cuz i've been writing scripts since i was a kid and I made films with the Who and Deep Purple and and regular films too. So uh, all kinds of things. I made a film called The Kids Are Alright with the Who, and one of my books is about is about that called The Who and I, uh, which is available in all the normal places like Amazon. And with all your story, talent, oh, with,
5: uh, uh, I don't mean to talk over you, but with all your talents, um, especially in in movie making uh, are you, are you teaching acting? Are you teaching movie, how to make a movie or, you know, film school I or something?
11: Spent, I, I did spend about 10 years mm. as an academic in universities in England. Uh, mm. I ran a thing called the Bournemouth film school and another one called the Northern film school. I was a lecturer and I became a director of a university, at the university of East London. And I was fortunate enough to win quite a load of prizes and awards. And so I was very fortunate in that too. And, uh, Doing that actually gave me back my passion to get back in the business because for a yeah, while I
7: yeah.
11: I kind of got jaded Uh we <laughs> lived in America for a number of years and yeah. you know you need something you need something new every so often everybody needs something new to get them the juices going to get excited again and the yeah. students did that for me they, they, you know, their enthusiasm sort of rubbed off on me so I, I, I'm grateful to the students I had.
5: Yeah, I love working with kids, too. I mean, they really give you, like you say, the enthusiasm and and the drive to carry on because because they are yeah. so into it. You know, They really are. Okay, let's talk about your books. I mean, how many books have you written, and let's talk about your latest one.
11: I've uh, written three so far, and I'm now three. just signing a contract to do a series of ten. Uh, okay. I, I've written three books. One's called The Who and I which was originally called Twilight of the Gods we changed the title because when we changed the publisher Uh, and the second book was called The Butterfly Boy and that's about uh, you ever hear of a thing called the Foot and Mouth Painters Association which was founded in Germany before the war, Second World War and it was to help disabled people who couldn't use
5: heard about the feet, but you're just uh, telling me about the mouth. So I
11: <laughs> Yeah, they held a brush. In, I didn't you know they the did it with the mouth. mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that man, they, that foundation after he died, asked me to look into making a documentary about it. And when oh, yeah, I started to look into it, I found he was a really interesting man, a bit of a rough diamond. And yeah. so we fictionalized it, and we tell that story in, this, in The Butterfly Boy, which is the story of this man's life. From when he was born to when he contracted polio, and how he developed and how he survived the Nazis and how he built an empire, which is you know those Christmas cards you get through your letter box where they say you can make a donation if you want to help a disabled person, that's the man who started it, and that's now a worldwide thing. And and he also happened to be a really talented guy, and yeah. despite his handicap, he was a womanizer. He lived the big life, and he was investigated following enough in America, uh, by a, a, a committee of inquiry, because the question was, was it really a charity or was it a business that he profited in in, in a big way from? So, fascinating man, fascinating book, fascinating story.
5: It is fascinating. I, I mean, you got me, mesmerized just listening to you, and uh, it is a, I mean, it is a, it is a fascinating uh, story, uh, and I'm pretty sure that we can learn a lot more about this. This, this guy. Uh,
11: yeah. Oh. Well, and the third book is a book uh, that started off, it's called Under God's Table. It's not a religious book at all. It's a story about two little boys in the, in, in Iraq just before Shokanor in the 80s. And and uh, these two boys, one's an Arab Muslim boy and one's a little Jewish boy. And they grow up together like brothers. Uh, and one day they're in the family having dinner and the attack Starts and the house gets completely fragged and demolished, and both their mothers get killed, and they're now orphans. And it's a story of how those two boys, then who are that close, become like Cain and Abel. They become deadly enemies. One goes to the west to America, the other one goes to gets adopted by the royal family of Saudi Arabia. And it's that character. You know, I feel like I'm responsible. The character of that it sounds
5: like the Prince and a Pauper. <laughs>
11: Kind of, kind of, but what then kind of, happens yeah kind is, of. I, and I feel responsible in a funny kind of way, because the mm. Arab boy becomes like Crown Prince Abdul-Raziz, he becomes like the Crown Prince that we're hearing about with some of the terrible things that seem to be happening in Saudi Arabia, or from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I invented him.
5: Interesting. That, that is something uh, that is that would be some reading, you know, because uh, I, I don't think people do stories like that anymore. I think the stories are more uh, diluted than they are uh, as they were told the way you're telling them, you know, um, as the way Mark Twain had told them. I think storytelling today in 2018 is a lot different than it was uh, twenty thirty five maybe you know 50 years ago and i think a yeah. lot of us are trying to a lot of us are trying to get back to that just plain old storytelling you know that plain old entertain t- entertainment that well, will that, take that, you that, away uh, from, that yeah, something I, I, that will I take you away from reality you know well, take that you away would from be
11: re- my thrill if that if i yeah. achieve that if i make people enjoy themselves if it takes them yeah. out of themselves and their problems for a, a couple of hours then you achieve your goal. Yeah.
5: Yeah, take them That's away. Uh, be, you know,
11: it's supposed to be fun.
5: Yeah. It's supposed to be fun, entertaining and engaging, you know. And and yeah, it makes this and, and yeah. And uh right, right. <laughs> exactly. And it this sounds like what this book does and I'm pretty sure that you've written three three maybe four books, three books uh, uh I'm pretty sure they're following some of the same lines and some of the same veins uh by you being just a plain old storyteller, but making it really fun and exciting.
11: Well, I'm proud if I'm just a, a plain old storyteller. I, I remember talking to – Even a in the movies, and the movies and stories too. Yeah, well, my cousin's a literary agent and I, who I've never worked with, and she's, just, and she's a friend. And I said to her, what is it the difference between a literary agent, this is when I started, and a book agent? She said you don't want a literary agent. I said why? She said because we're very highfalutin and we we've got like these high aspirations for literature. She said you want to sell just a load of books. I said yeah, and I want to make a lot of people happy. She said then you need somebody yes. else. You need a person <laughs> that wants to to read.
5: Oh things, wow, that, that's.
11: It.
5: So what did you think <laughs> when when you heard that?
11: I I kind of thought well you know that's the opposite of what I want to do. I'd rather be. Disregarded by literature critics and be Steven Spielberg of the book world. I, I want people to buy my books because not just because for money, but because that that's entertaining, that's wonderful. I felt the same way about making films. By the way, uh, mm-hmm. when I, I made a film when I was a kid, I mean like 19, 20 years old, called Extremes, about young people in England at the time, and it covered drug addiction, heavy drug addiction, all that kind of thing. And, you know, I won some awards, it made some money, and it was all good. But the thing that mattered most to me was that about a year later, two guys came up to me. One of them said, he wants to say something to you. And I said, what is it? And he said, you know, what your film, that sequence in the room when they shot up with heroin and the blood hit the ceiling. I said, yeah. He said, that stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, I've never taken a drug since then. And I figured i saved your yeah. life. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you right, right. save a life, you've saved the universe.
5: You made a difference in your writing. Yeah. I mean,
11: you know, even though you
5: couldn't find a literary agent,
11: who cares? I mean, you made a difference.
5: And that's what that's I want to do. I want to make a difference in my writing. Even though it's fiction, there's always something there people can learn from. You exactly. know.
11: Exactly.
5: And, you know, there's always something there and uh but sad to say, a lot of people do not read as much as they used to. Uh would you well, agree that's with that? True. Yeah. There,
11: were, there were statistics that came out last week. I don't know if you read it. It came out here, and I think it's true in America, too, that something percent, 80%, 80% of people, once they leave college, never read another book.
5: Yeah, yeah.
11: That's frightening.
5: But it is frightening, and it's because of technology. It's because of the yeah. the iPhones, the smartphones, uh uh so many things taking people away from reading. I remember the time when you would get on the train and you would see everybody with a newspaper or a Wall Street Journal or a magazine or yeah. something. You yeah. don't see that anymore.
11: But you see the opposite. You see them with screens, looking at something or playing a game.
5: You see them looking and down at their phones.
11: <laughs> yeah, and it must. It can't help your brain. It can't help your imagination. It can't. I help don't good. think
5: so. I, no, I, I don't, really don't think so. Okay. All right, it's, Tony it's, Klinger and, on. Tony Klinger on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Tell us where we can find your books, find your work, and, you know, and uh, uh, things like that.
11: Well, I can We're, tell you can... My, books, my, my books are on Amazon. Okay. These are on Amazon.com in America, Amazon.co.uk in the U.K., and, mm-hmm. you know, the normal platforms like that. Um, okay. My, my films are on – some of my films are also on Amazon. There's extreme. Oh,
7: yeah. That, that's
11: great. There's other things. And yeah. soon there'll be my new film, The Man Who Got Carter, and and I, I just got stuff coming up my ears. I'm like a little machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's so,
5: great! Oh, you know, I really would like to check out some of your 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 films. I mean, I really would like to do that, man. I mean, I, I mean. Uh, I, I mean by you just being on the show and explaining and telling, it, telling everybody about your experiences with movie making and what you've done and all of your experience and all of your life, it's very interesting. You're a very
11: talented guy. Well, that's very kind of you. My wife wouldn't agree with you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she,
5: she like well, fan, you know, but... I always say if someone is talented in one area, they're, they're may, they may be talented in three or four other areas. You know, just because you're talented. I mean, if you're talented, you're just talented just about everything that you do. That's the way I think, you know.
11: Well, yeah, I'm not a very good runner. <laughs> but and neither I'm am I. <laughs> but I, I neither I, am well,
5: I. I mean, because I'm too old for that. And maybe if I was yeah, younger, well, I, I probably do. would be, but I'm too old now. so.
11: I, know, I was so. Never very good when I was young. But what I, what I can do is communicate, and I, I feel that's yeah. a gift that I was given, and, and I like yeah. to yeah. exercise it, and you know, yeah. I, I I have a story that I should tell why people, because some people say, well, you've got like this manic energy, and why is that, and I can tell you the story, uh, about eight years ago, I was having problems with skin cancer, I had lots of lots of recurrence of it, many instances, and it wasn't killing me or anything, but it was like a real, it was a problem, and mm-hmm. I kept cutting them out, and you know, kept seeing to it, and then one day they said, look, we've got to do a couple in your head. You're going to have to have skin grafts. You probably need general sedation. And I thought, well, I hate the idea of it, but okay, I'll have to have it. And they put me out. And as I was going out, I felt funny. I felt strange. And I started to struggle, and by then, it knocked me out. And uh, during that, I had what later turned out to be anaphylactic shock. And I died on the operating table. Oh, this is This is not made up. This is what really happened. Mm-hmm. and d- during that they managed I, was, I, I, I if there was a, a deity he was there for me that day because in the next operating theatre was their crash team, the special crash team that was trained to resuscitate people and a big guy apparently jumped on me and was pounding my chest so they got me back after a few minutes and mm-hmm. I was unbelievably no brain damage no heart damage, no nothing it, it hurt my ribs but other than that nothing and when I woke up it suddenly occurred to me, the one thing you have no you have a real limitation on is time. You know, suddenly it realised to me, it's no good putting stuff off. You've got to do it, and you've got to do it tomorrow. Or, or tomorrow. Yeah,
5: I totally agree. You can't
11: wait. And so, that's what I've done ever since. I used to work hard, but now I'm like a maniac. <laughs> I want to get all this stuff out there.
5: You know, that that's that's somewhat. Like me, I'm always saying, "Well, I better get this out. I might not live next week. I'm not be, might not be alive. So let me get it done now." <laughs> it's,
11: it's the right and, thing, George. You got to do it.
5: Yeah, you got to
11: do it. You, yeah, you got to do, do it.
5: Yeah. Tony Kling on the George Winston. Wilder Journey Show. Um, give us. Wow, it's raining. <laughs> I'm looking at. I'm. I'm. I'm in my studio. And I'm looking out of the window, and it's starting to rain. <laughs> I'm saying, "Wow, well, here, it's raining."
11: Here, here, here it's it's really just cold, but. You know, you know what the weather's like there, but it's really cold here now
5: all right tony klinger give give us one more time where we can find your books and your 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 movies your films. uh well, and can,
11: uh can, well the easiest thing to do is to go on my website i guess which is mm-hmm. www.tonydklinger.com. tony d for david klinger that's okay d okay. with a k k l i n g e r dot com and and okay. all the information is there
5: Okay, great. Uh, we'll be going there. I mean, because you're you're a great guest. I want to thank you for doing the show. I want to wish you all the luck in the world for uh, for for what you do, and uh, I hope you can come back on the show someday when you get your when your next Zoom comes out.
11: <laughs> thank you. That's really very kind of you. And thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you very much, George.
5: Bye bye. Take care. All right, Tony Klinger on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back.
7: One day How much I love
9: sentinel, right? You know about opioids, you know that they're bad. You probably don't know how bad. In the country, in 2016, we had just over 63,000 overdose deaths. Two-thirds of them were because of
12: opioids that were... General ...is suing President Trump and his three oldest children, alleging, quote, Self-dealing and other persistent illegal conduct at the president's charity, the Donald J. Trump Foundation. No, among other things, the president is now accused by New York State of treating his nonprofit like his personal checkbook and using the tax-exempt funds to pay off his business creditors, promote his Dealing. hotels, Dealing. decorate a Trump golf club, and even stage a multimillion-dollar giveaway at a 2016 presidential campaign event in Iowa just days before the crucial caucuses there let's go to see that Jean Cazares she's joining us from New York so Jean walk us through these uh, allegations
13: and there are many this is a 41 page verified petition the defendants are Donald J Trump personally the Donald J Trump Foundation Don Jr Eric and Ivanka Trump and it alleges that the board of directors of this charitable foundation have not met since nineteen ninety nine that it is merely a shell to benefit donald trump personally and his businesses it does say in part quote the petition filed today alleges a pattern of persistent illegal conduct occurring over more than a decade that includes extensive unlawful political coordination with the trump presidential campaign repeated and willful self-dealing transactions to benefit mister trumps personal and business interests and violations of basic legal obligations for non-profit foundations and excites many examples one being and you may remember this the iowa fundraiser in january of two thousand sixteen it was a fundraiser for veterans and mr trump presidential candidate at that point uh, participated in iowa collecting those monies in lieu of a republican presidential debate well it, they say that the foundation uh... raised the money for veterans organizations but the verified petition says that it was planned, organized, financed, and directed by the campaign, violation of New York state law and charitable laws. Well, we also now have a response from the Trump Foundation, and it is very strong. We, it says in part, This is politics at its very worst. The foundation has donated over 19 million to worthy charitable causes, more than it even received. The president himself or through his companies has contributed more than 8 million. The reason the foundation was able to donate more than it took in is because it had little to no expenses. This is unheard of for a charitable foundation. And Trump, what they are asking the court to do is to close down this foundation. They want it done under the responsibility and observation of the court. And they are saying that Donald Trump should no longer be able to participate in any form or fashion of a charitable foundation for the next 10 years. And his children, who are also, as I said, those co-defendants, they cannot involve themselves with a charitable foundation under New York state law for one year.
12: Yeah, They also want uh, the, the president to pay $2.8 million and additional penalties as a result of this as well. Gene Cazares, thank you very much. Uh, the president indicating he plans to fight uh, this lawsuit. He says it apart, and let me quote. The sleazy New York Democrats, and they're now disgraced and run out of town. Uh, AG Attorney General Eric Schneiderman are doing everything they can to sue me on a foundation that took in eighteen million eight hundred thousand dollars and gave out more, uh, gave out charity more to ch- gave out to charity more money than it took in uh, nineteen million two hundred thousand dollars. I-, I won't settle. This case, uh, New York's attorney general just tweeted uh, a response, uh, and she also had an interview on CNN. Listen to this.
14: Mr. Trump has tweeted a response. Here we go. The sleazy New York Democrats, and they're now disgraced and run out of town. A.G. Eric Schneiderman are doing everything they can to sue me on a foundation that took in 18 eight million dollars and gave out to charity more money than it took in 19.2 i won't settle this case what do you make of that what's your reaction um well there are several points that are made there um this is not uh either a sleazy or political action nor was it brought by mr schneiderman um this is a straightforward case of um Violation of the laws governing charitable foundations and nonprofit corporations in New York. Um, so, Attorney General... That's my response to the... All yeah. right, that's your response. So you're saying it was not brought by Mr. Schneiderman, but the tweet goes on to say, Schneiderman, who ran the Clinton campaign in New York, never had the guts to bring this ridiculous case, which lingered in their office for almost two years. Now he resigned his office in disgrace, and his disciples brought it when we would not settle? (laughs) Um, We brought this case when we were confident that we had the evidence and the legal uh, arguments to back it up and it was not, it obviously was not settled. Um, uh, That's usually how cases are brought. There's nothing unusual about that.
12: Barbara Underwood, the the Attorney General of New York State, speaking with CNN's uh, Chief International Anchor, uh, Christiane Amanpour. Uh, Let's get back to the panel, Seth Waxman, your former federal prosecutor. You've looked through this document, all of us have read the document by now. Uh, How strong of a case does New York State have against the President and his children? Well, it, it seems very strong, but let's be clear
15: at the outset that there's a difference between a civil case and a criminal case. So at the end of this civil case that the AG has brought, The worst thing that can happen to Mr. Trump and his family is a uh, monetary fine, so no one can go to jail for this lawsuit. On the other hand, as I've understood it, there have been referrals made to the Federal Election Campaign Commission and the IRS when Donald Trump, the president, signed this tax form that's associated with charitable foundations, a, a 501c3, he signed and said that all the money being brought in was going to be used for charitable purposes. If that is a lie, that is perjury. That can be a federal crime. In addition, if monies are taken from donors under the auspices that it's going to go for some charitable purpose, and it's diverted to someone's personal bank account, to their personal interest, but it be it political campaigns, you know, dressing up a golf club or whatever, that can be fraud. And that can be, under the federal law, wire fraud, which is a 20-year criminal penalty in jail at maximum. So for me, what's the most concerning about this, if I'm the president, isn't that someday he might have to pay some monetary fines. I don't know that he much cares about that at the end of the day. My concern, if I'm him and his lawyers, is that there could be a criminal referral to a U.S. attorney's
12: office, and now he's back in the soup of yet another criminal investigation. Yeah, It's a significant uh, uh, allegation made uh, by the New York State Attorney General, Margaret, uh, that uh, they use this charity for political purposes in the days leading up to the Iowa caucuses and that they've got uh, text messages here from the then uh, Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski explaining what should be done with this money that's being raised. Uh, Charitable foundations are not supposed to be involved in politics.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think Seth is certainly right, that if this were to take on some sort of a criminal element or aspect uh, on a parallel track, it would obviously be a, a huge story at that point. Uh, but there is a softer impact to this right now that is potentially real also. And that is that it goes to the credibility and the trustworthiness of the Trump Organization in general and charitable claims. And uh, don't forget, the president is currently engaged, not just in midterm campaigning, but has a reelection campaign that has been up and running for some time. and. Um, among some segments of his base or supporters, his, uh, the ability to, to trust his word and to know that when he says he's trying to help coal miners, that he's trying to help you know, recovering you know, veterans who are home and looking for a job, all of that matters, too. So There's sort of this parallel track of potential impacts, and, and one deals with the unknown, something we haven't seen yet, is whether, there are, whether there's going to be a criminal aspect. But the other, it just goes to this question of trust and credibility.
12: And, and the president, in his tweets uh, a couple times, April, uh, he said, I won't settle this case. Uh, He said the uh, former New uh, New York attorney, General Schneiderman, he resigned his office in disgrace, and his disciples brought it when we would not settle. He has settled cases in the past after declaring he won't settle. Yes. Trump University case, yes. for example, he repeatedly said he wouldn't settle. He wound up settling.
14: But you know, there are also a lot of other cases that he hasn't settled out of court. People that worked for him, building uh, his buildings or building whatever he's built, and he's tied them up in court forever. But the bottom line is, um, you know, you don't want to hear a president of the United States saying, I'm not going to settle something that could have wire fraud implications or credibility implications. This is the president of the United States of America. America. Every American basically has to follow the rule of law, follow the, the patterns of justice, and settle something. And for him to say, I'm not going to settle, it doesn't bode well. If anything, you would want to kind of work this out. But one thing that really sticks out about this case to me, just like what's happening with Mueller, they're following the trail of money. There are trails of money everywhere that's pointing to the family. And it just, it just screams to me. Um, all of this is about money from a charity that's gone to different places that weren't supposed to happen. And then you have what's happening over here with Mueller. They're pulling records and, and pulling computers, trying to find out the trail of money, because that all leads to whatever the end case is, if, if I'm correct.
12: It's just another legal headache also for the president. The Mueller investigation, uh, the Michael Cohn investigation, <laughs> the U.S. attorney for the Southern the Draft District Draft of New York. Draft. There's a lot of legal stuff going on right now that the president of the United States has to worry about. guys. Thank his you. Birthday.
7: <laughs> happy, birthday.
12: Happy, happy birthday! To, happy birthday to the, birthday, the president, president of the
7: United
16: States. Yes. Not
12: necessarily <laughs> a nice birthday present from New York State uh, for the president. All right, we've got a lot more news uh, that's unfolding even as we speak. North Korea releasing some new video.
3: Uh, he held his uh, July 2016 uh, press conference uh, in which he cleared Hillary Clinton of any wrongdoing in the email investigation but the inspector general found that he did not uh, he was not acting out of political bias when he did that that press conference of course is one in which he detailed all the things that, that Hillary Clinton did wrong in which uh, in which he said however that no reasonable prosecutor would be able to bring charges uh, against her and of course John you remember that uh, that president trump And a lot of Republicans have claimed that the email investigation, the Clinton investigation, was rigged, that it was not done properly, that it was uh, done with political bias. According to the Inspector General, after this 18 month investigation, they found that there is no evidence to show that there was any political bias in the way the investigation was done. Obviously, there's plenty here in this report, there's about 500 pages right now, that members of Congress are being briefed on. The President is being briefed personally by Rod Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General. So uh, there's plenty in this report for them to, for for the Republicans and for the President to pick up on to, to, to to support the idea that the President was right to fire James Comey. But the top line, the important part of this, uh, is the fact that the Inspector General found that there was no political bias in the way the investigation was done, which is a key accusation that the President and Republicans in
8: Congress have been making, John. Evan Perez with the Breaking News. Appreciate it, Evan. Come back if we get more back in the studio now. The question is, will the president accept that? When his deputy attorney general says, you know, you had every reason to fire James Comey. He made bad judgment calls here. We can have a separate debate about the president saying it was also about the Russian meddling investigation to Lester Holt, uh, but, that, but there was no political motivation, Mr. President. He did not do this. There was no pro-Clinton, anti-Trump bias in James Comey and the FBI according to this report. Will the president accept that fact?
6: No, but it's an important fact that we should think about and accept right. as journalists and people who are joining No, he's not going to accept it. But I think it still matters that he spent, you know, almost a year saying that his investigation was wrong and cleared Hillary for no reason. And we've had a report from a pretty serious IG respected by both parties now saying it was not politically motivated. Will it change the politics? No, but it matters.
8: An important point you just made, and we have to focus on the fact the same IG who wrote this report, James Comey, made mistakes, made bad judgment calls, should have handled himself better, but was not motivated by politics. Is the same guy who wrote the report Republicans Love just a couple of weeks ago that led to Andy McCabe, Comey's former deputy, being fired. The question is, what, ha- what, what happens? Rod Rosenstein sitting there, president despises Rod Rosenstein. The president views Rod Rosenstein as part of the problem. He's saying, Mr. President, James Comey was a bad actor. He was not a biased actor.
10: Well, this is not going to make him like Rod Rosenstein anymore, and I don't think he's going to accept, as Perry says, that this was not politically motivated. He still feels that it is and he will continue to say that. It is important that we now know an an IG, an independent inspector general has concluded otherwise but I do think he will seize on all the material in this report that we apparently have that says that, you know, Comey acted wrongly because he will use that as a defense for firing him and say, this is not obstruction of justice, this wasn't me trying to protect myself, this was an FBI director who was off the rails and I had plenty of reason to fire him, and that, too, will be an important part of the president's argument.
8: And will he accept that his current Justice Department team can deal with what the ramifications of the report, the cleanup, if you will, the new standards, or will he accept the calls from Republicans on Capitol Hill to say Jeff Sessions, Rod Rosenstein, Chris Ray, three Trump appointees are part of the problem now?
9: Well, I, I think we'll find out pretty quickly here. The, the day started; there was no White House briefing. While the uh, uh, president was meeting with, with, with
8: they, they have now scheduled a briefing. I'm sure Sarah will be. Uh, Sarah will be asked about direct from the president. All right. We'll continue our breaking news reporting. Thanks for joining us, Inside Politics. Wolf starts picks up coverage right now. This is
2: CNN breaking news.
12: Hello, I'm Wolf Blitzer in Washington, wherever you're watching from around the world. Thanks very much for joining us. We start with breaking news, the imminent public release of the long anticipated report uh, on the U.S. Department of Justice and its handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Some details are already leaking, like the determination that the then FBI Director James Comey deviated from longstanding protocol but was not motivated by political bias. Uh, Comey One of the major players in all of this, along with the former Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe, Hillary Clinton, of course, uh, and the President of the United States. The major questions are simple. Was proper protocol followed by the then-FBI director? We now know the answer there. Did inside forces uh, in the FBI compromise the Clinton investigation? And was any campaign aided by the inclusion or exclusion of critically important information? Let's bring in our crime and justice reporter Shimon Prokopez and our senior congressional correspondent Manu Raju. He's up on Capitol Hill. Shimon, so what do we know
16: already about the report that's
12: supposed to be publicly released within the hour?
11: Well,
16: certainly some key... Findings here uh, by the inspector general here. So the idea, uh, you know, that the president ha- has been touting this uh, notion that this that the Clinton investigation was rigged, that there was bias uh, somehow uh, by the FBI in favor of Hillary Clinton, and that they didn't bring charges against her. Well, now we have our answer here from the inspector general, who's been looking at this now for over a year, Wolf, uh, and he's saying essentially in his report, what we're told is that there was no pro-clinton bias. There was uh, nothing to indicate that anything that the FBI did in their investigation uh, would give any credibility, anything to the idea that, as the president has said, that this was somehow rigged. Uh, We've also learned here uh, that Comey erred, that he he made errors here in his decision not to coordinate with superiors at the Justice uh, Department at key moments the Clinton email investigation Uh, and that relates to of course that press conference he held where he announced the decision uh, and the results of the investigation it also relates to essentially when the FBI when James Comey decided to reopen the investigation just days before the election uh, in November 2016 we all remember that that happened uh, as a result of emails that were found on the Hillary, on the Anthony Weiner's uh, le- uh, laptop, uh, and it was a letter that he had sent to the Hill to lawmakers, essentially saying uh, that a new review was under way, uh, and that certainly was controversial. And now we have the Inspector General here saying uh, that these moments, uh, these key moments in the investigation, uh, it appears uh, that Comey made some mistakes.
12: Yeah, it certainly does, uh, Manu. Uh, I know members of Congress are getting briefed on all of this. What's the
4: reaction so far up on Capitol Hill? Well, actually, you're hearing uh, people from both sides picking out things that advance their narratives about exactly what happened uh, in 2016. Uh, The Democrats uh, say that, that in fact, what what Comey did in his mishandling of the email investigation actually helped Trump become president. This is a statement from Jerry Nadler and Elijah Cummings, two top Democrats who reviewed the report. They say the stark conclusion that they have come up with after reviewing the report is that the FBI's actions helped Donald Trump become president. Now Republicans see it. Differently, including Daryl Issa, a Republican who was in that briefing uh, with uh, officials from the Inspector General's office. And what he heard was uh, major problems in the way that the Justice Department handled this investigation, the James Comey's uh, handling of this investigation. And other uh, members, too, on the Republican side of the aisle, say that there actually need to be further investigations, perhaps by a second special counsel, to look into exactly what the FBI did wrong in 2016. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham just earlier today.
5: If he finds systematic abuse uh, uh, at Department of Justice and FBI, then who's going to do something about it? I just, I think you would need some independent eyes. If he suggests that the DOJ and the FBI got off the rails and did inappropriate things when it came to the Clinton email investigation, who's supposed to go figure out what should have happened? And to me, that's got to be somebody out of Department of Justice, somebody that we all trust, Uh, you know, I think Mueller was the right guy. I think he's doing his job in a professional manner. Pick somebody
7: like him.
4: And Wolf, the release of this report is only going to intensify this debate going forward. Come Monday, the Senate Judiciary Committee is going to have a hearing about this 500-page report. And invited to that hearing is the former Deputy Director Andy McCabe, who is addressed in this report. And McCabe himself has, is facing a separate criminal investigation, and he wants immunity to testify at that hearing. The chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, told me earlier today that he does not expect expect immunity to be dealt with before Monday, but they're considering a subpoena to issue to compel his appearance, maybe not by Monday, but maybe to a later date. So Wolf, this is not ending anytime soon. Republicans and Democrats still have a lot of questions, Wolf.
12: Yeah, they certainly do. Uh, All right, Manu, Shimon, guys, stand by. I know you're working your sources, and you'll bring us new information. In the meantime, I want to bring in our panel, and Gloria Borger. uh, you know, the Republicans, or at least a lot of the supporters of the president, uh, his top aides, they certainly have been hoping this long awaited report would give them some ammunition to try to de- delegitimize, de- uh, to derail the, o- the overall Russia probe that. Yeah.
5: The George Wilder Jr. show is now on the air. You are my You are my Talking about, alluding to earlier, we have white supremacists in our government. We have Nazis in our government here in America. It's a damn shame, but it's true. Trump the other day declared himself to be a nationalist, similar to, if not more, to being a white supremacist or a white nationalist or a, yeah, white supremacist. Either way you slice it, this is awful. This is awful. Trump keeps saying that the media, the press is the enemy. And I keep saying the media and the press are not the enemy. The enemy in the United States, in the White House. Trump is a terrorist. He's a traitor. He's a co-conspirator against America during during the 2016 election. And the reason why he will not resign, two reasons, I believe. One, the main reason he will not resign from office is because he's... He enjoys the power. He's crazy with that power that he has. He thinks he's king of the world. And the world is laughing at him, but he still thinks he's king of the world, not just the United States, but the king of the world. And the way he just dismantles the press and the way they just buckle under this guy, I just don't understand it. And I've said this many times, especially yesterday on the show. Uh the press has to stand up to this bully and his liars Kellyanne Conway and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Fox News they have to stand up to these people because Kellyanne Conway Sarah Huckabee Sanders if you know who I'm talking about Fox News these people are all liars they have a they have a mega microphone so does the press. So does the media. Fight back. Hit them back. You're under the Constitution here. You're under the Constitution. You, you're under the law. These people are breaking the law, and they don't give a fuck about it. They don't give a shit about the law. But you're in the right. It just It just makes my skin crawl to see Trump treat the media the way that he treats the media. And the media, they don't fight back. They just take it. They might talk about it. They might criticize it. But basically, they're taking it from an idiot. I mean, a stupid-ass man, a fool. They're taking it. A bully, a white supremacist, a racist, a hater, an a instigation, an insta, what was that word, instigating, an instigator of violence, excuse me, I'm trying to find trying to find my words here, an instigator of violence, and the press has to stand up to Donald Trump. He is nothing. Donald Trump is more of a coward than Obama was, or than anybody. He is the biggest coward in the land, and the enemy is in the White House. We have a free press. Stop demagoguing the pre- free press. It's not working. I don't believe it's working anyway. Stop listening to Fox Lion News. They're just a vehicle for Donald Trump and his bullshit. That's all they are for. And they really, <laughs> and they really lie and try to convince you. If it wasn't Fox News, it'll probably be convincing. And I do think a lot of people tune into Fox News just to see them. They're going to go in their lies. But you know, uh, uh stop watching Fox News. I mean, just turn that shit off because it's nothing but lies, propaganda, it's Donald Trump's uh political machine. All those assholes at Fox News are in Donald Trump's butt. There's no doubt about that. Watching crap. I mean, you're hearing it from the George Walder Jr. show. Listen to my show and stop watching a bunch of lies, stop watching a lot of uh, a lot of people who are trying to tell you how to think, when to think, what to think. Stop it. Because These people are just lying. They're trying to get, get into your head as if you don't have a mind of your own. Fox News know what they're doing. And they know who's, listen- and they know who's listening. They know who's watching their shows. They know it. They know the age uh, bracket of the people who are watching their show and in, taking in all that bullshit. The elderly, the old folks. I mean, <laughs> you, you you have a senior sitting down watching Fox News who's a liberal. They're gonna get up after a while and be and be a Republican <laughs> because a liberal Fox News and some of these other hate, hateful uh, TV stations. They're all about making liberal a nasty word, making it a vile word, or making Democrat, for that matter, a vile, a, a, a nasty, vile, evil word. The only evilness is coming out of Donald Trump's mouth every single day. He is the evil in the White House. And no doubt about it, there's no doubt Fox News is the evil on the other side. So, what we got, folks, right now is our vote. We have to get out here and do our thing as they used to say back in the day. Uh some people still say it. <laughs> I don't think it I don't think it will ever go out of style. Vote blue. And Donald Trump, I'm hearing and reading that Donald Trump is already blaming Republicans for the loss Of the midterms. And uh, vice versa, the Republicans are blaming Donald Trump for the loss. You know, because a lot of people just don't like him. They hate his guts, you know, uh, warranted so. Uh, Yeah, a lot of Republicans are now blaming Donald Trump for for the midterm loss. There's some validity there. But also... They can't really put it all on Donald Trump because a lot of them were complicit. Now they're trying to ease their ass out of being complicit by putting all the blame on Donald Trump. When the Republicans in Congress, they're just as much white supremacist and Nazi-driven as Donald Trump is. But now, since they know Donald Trump would throw them under the bus, they're trying to throw Donald Trump under the bus. Saying, well, the losses in the 2016 midterm, 2018 uh, midterm election is all Donald Trump's fault. As much as I don't like Donald Trump, that's a lie. It's every Republican in Congress. It's their fault. It's their fault that we still have Donald Trump because they're kissing his ass, proudly kissing his ass. So you know, uh, I think a lot of this is going to really backfire on, on the Republicans. Okay, um, Steve uh, Steve King, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at him right now in Huffington Post, uh, and I've been hearing a lot of things, reading a lot of things, and hearing a lot of things that he has admitted to being, or he is uh, being condemned for white supremacist rhetoric. And I'm quoting him here. We must stand to white supremacy and hate in all forms. And I strongly condemn this behavior. He says we must stand to white supremacy. He, he said we must stand up to white supremacy as if we, you know, should welcome white supremacy. He didn't say we should stand against white supremacy. He didn't say we should uh condemn white supremacy. Okay, this is someone else saying that. Okay. We must stand up to white supremacy and hate it in all forms, and I strongly condemn this behavior. This is Representative Steve Silvers criticizing a fellow Republican. Okay. A House Republican on Tuesday condemned uh, Representative Steve King, um, Republican of Iowa, for his racist rhetoric and behavior online, saying in a, tw- in a tweet that we must stand up to white supremacy and hate in all forms. The tweet from Representative uh, Steve Silvers, uh, Republican of Ohio, is notable because his job as chairman of the National Republican Congressional Committee is to elect Republicans to the House. The Ohio congressman is now the highest-ranking GOP official to dim, to condemn uh, King, an eight-term congressman who ha- who has been expressing racist beliefs in in increasingly undisguised terms, which means that he's a racist, he's a white supremacist, and he doesn't give a shit. Who knows it? you know he's going to come out and say that but it's not only Steve King he looks around he looks like he's around 65 to 70 years old and white uh and a white supremacist and he's saying he hates blacks he hates Mexicans he hates um Muslims and, you know he just hates and we are living in a climate of hate basically uh a lot of the hate was You know, underground until Trump became president, and now all of it's above ground. You can hardly walk the street of your hometown, of your community. You don't know who's going to jump out of their car and call you out of your name or assault you because of of the rhetoric and hate and violence that Donald Trump spews at his rallies. But we have to vote. We have to get these people out of office. We have to do it because uh, this Congress is not uh, the Republican Congress of 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. These people are straight up racist, and they don't care who knows it. They don't care who knows it, and they will say, yeah, I'm a racist. I don't like them. Go back to your own country, but a lot of – And it has been. This racist rhetoric has been going on for years. But it's, it's, as I've said, it's in full view because of what we have in the White House, the enemy. Trump, since day one, has had a, had a war with the American public. And I kept espousing that on my radio show and even on and on, in social media that Donald Trump was totally the enemy of the people. His fight was not with Iran, surely not with Russia, but his fight was with his own people, his own people. And that's been clear just about every day of his presidency, which I think is a leg- illegitimate presidency. I don't think he's a real president. He fought. Uh, he, he got into this office in a phony, baloney kind of a way, and we all know it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We're just about off the show, folks. Like I said, it's raining in the Chicago, and I, but you know what? You know, Maybe we need the rain. I don't know. But I'm not <coughs> – excuse, oh, excuse me. I'm not a uh, meteorologist or anything. But uh, I heard that we may need the rain. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in to the show. I want to thank my guest, Tony Klinger. Make sure you go pick up his book, check out his websites and all that kind of thing um he's out i i believe he's out publishing um promoting his uh films and more likely his books too so you know check that stuff out from the George Wilder Jr. show also visit my website uh my amazon website too you know there's always something there for you all right i want to say thanks to everybody who um supports the show who have clicked like uh to follow the show and I want to say thank you very much for your kind um, words. People have said some kind things about the show. I've I've had more people say kind things about the show than people who have said nothing about the show, um, or those who don't feel that the show is uh, their cup of tea. But majority of the people that I've uh, hear from say they like the show, and I've been booking more people for the show from Facebook than anything. Um you know and uh, that's <laughs> that's something. I've been booking more people from Facebook on the show. At one time it was pretty hard for me to do that. Uh but now people are coming in and asking me if they can be on the show. They have a book, they have something they want to say or talk about. And we if we're friends and we've been knowing each other for a long time, I you know, it's it, it's a no brainer. But I've been booking more sh- people from, from Facebook. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's just that uh, I haven't been doing it. Basically, when I book people from this show, they're coming from, uh, from having heard about the show. Sometimes the show travels. And I think the best way that this show travels is from mouth to mouth. I mean, people saying things about the show and telling other people about it and then they're telling other people about it and then they're telling other people about it and some people you know will listen to the show and say hey I want to be on the show I want to then some people listen to the show no that ain't that. that's not the kind of show I want to be on um, but basically it's been all good it's been very very all it's been all good for the George Wilder Jr. show I'm still paying for it but in other words <laughs> <laughs> it's been totally, totally all good, and I do enjoy it. I want to thank everybody who's been a part of it, and I want to thank everybody who has been on the show for the last four and a half years. Right, all the guests that have uh, been on the show from uh, they're gone. I'm, you know, some of some some of them come back every now and then with the show, and then there are, I've had some notable guests who have been on the show, and they have been just great. Um all right, so I want to thank everybody for listening. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your morning. Enjoy your afternoon. Enjoy your evening. Enjoy your weekend. Wherever you might find yourself listening to this show, enjoy it, whatever time of the day. You know, uh, once these shows are podcasted, uh, recorded, uh, you can download them. You can listen to them. You can have them on your website. And I have grown gone. What surprises me is that I've gone to YouTube and I've seen my show on YouTube. I didn't put it there. Okay. Uh, some guests uh, who was on the show previously thought it would be nice to have the show on YouTube. So you can also pick up the George Wilder Jr. Show on YouTube. I just put my name in there, and some you know people put my show up there. I you know because uh, that's something I don't do. I'll put musical. Uh, uh, I'll put uh, something up there that's musical playing the guitar and singing and that kind of thing, but I don't put up my show on YouTube. Uh, Some guests do that. And uh, and if I want to see how many of my shows are on YouTube, I just go to YouTube and say, whoa, okay, she put that up there. Okay. You know, that's what it's all about, is getting the word out about the show. Uh, Of course, um, it's nice to have uh, people on the show who are uh, actors who are directors, producers of movies. That's great. These beautiful musicians. It's great to have those kind of folks on the show who comes on the sh- who come on the show and then after that decide to promote the show in their own way. Um, of course, they're going to pr- promote the show that they're on. <laughs> but still and all, it's, 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 uh, it's a great thrill for that. And I appreciate everybody who does that. Uh, there are still some people who don't do those kinds of things. That's fine. You know, people are fickle. What can I say? All right. I I want to say, um, everybody. I hope you join me tomorrow on the George Wilder Jr. Show. You have a great, great evening or, you know, a morning or whatever you want to, whenever you find yourself listening to the show, We, we are off the air. Everybody make sure you join me tomorrow. Tell everybody you know about the George Wilder Jr. Show. And please, please, please vote blue.
7: Heaven help the girl Who walks the streets alone Heaven help the roses If the bombs begin to fall Heaven help the Heaven help the black man If he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man